Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 87 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, better known as DCU. And every dollar counts. And DCU understands that. That's why they've got ways to help your money work harder for you. If you love your car, but you don't love your current auto loan, refinancing with DCU could put you back in the driver's seat with a lower monthly payment. They offer the same low rates to their members for new and used vehicles. Find out what DCU could mean to you and your current auto loan when you refinance with DCU. Visit dcu.org for more information. Before we get to this week's guest, I want to send a special shout out to everyone that has a Mistress Carrie Backstage Pass on Patreon. The Mistress Carrie Backstage Pass gives you extra me, extra photos, blog posts, exclusive monthly live streams, early access to events, concert tickets, discount codes in the online Mistress Carrie store, and so much more. So I want to send some special love to Linda, Jamie, Heather, Kim, Trisha, Penny, Dave, Michael, Karen, and Mark. Thank you guys for having Mistress Carrie backstage passes. You rock. And if you want yours, go to mistresscarry.com and click the Patreon link or go to patreon.com slash mistresscarrie. This week, one of my favorite people in music is my guest. Jonathan Davis from Corn and I have known each other a really long time. Our careers kind of came up together. And the band is getting ready to release their 14th studio album, Requiem, coming up this Friday, February 4th. Matter of fact, this week, the band announced a Requiem live stream. It's called Requiem Mass, and it's happening tomorrow night, Thursday, February 3rd at 8 p.m. Pacific. So that means 11 p.m. Eastern. It's happening the night before the release of the album. This live stream is free and happening on the official Corn YouTube. It's being hosted at the Hollywood United Methodist Church in Los Angeles. The band said we want to gather in honor of the souls that have passed during these unprecedented times with an intimate ceremony and live performance at the Hollywood United Methodist Church in Los Angeles. Links for the live stream and their two upcoming concert dates in the area are available in the show notes of this podcast. Corner hitting the road with Chevelle and Code Orange and are headed to the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island on March 16th and the SNHU Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire on March 19th. So before I get to the interview with Jonathan Davis, a couple of disclaimers. First of all, we recorded this interview at 3 o'clock in the morning and I made two mistakes in the interview that I want to point out. First of all, I was not wearing leopard print feety pajamas they were actually zebra print. And when I was asking him about the band, I accidentally said monkey instead of fieldy. He corrected me. We moved on. But I just wanted to point out that it was three o'clock and the freaking morning. It's the first time I've ever recorded an interview that late or that early in the morning. And Jonathan Davis from Corn is one of the only people I would do it for. So allow me to introduce you to Jonathan Davis. 
Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Don't say anything funny, Jonathan Davis, because I want to make sure I'm recording you. Okay, crossy shit. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, babe. How have you been? I'm doing really well. This is, this is the first time I have done an interview at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're a trooper. I'm sorry. You know, no, don't apologize. And to quote my cousin Vinny, I wore this ridiculous thing for you. You got me in my leopard print feety pajamas. You, you rule. <laughs> You're always an amazing car. I love you. It's fucking awesome. How are you? What's going on? Oh, I'm good. I'm just hanging out at home, um, doing all these interviews for this new record coming out. And, uh, you know, this is the fun part. Last time you and I talked, the nothing was getting ready to come out, and we were backstage at a show, and you said, you're a straight-up vampire, babe. I do things at night, and you were not lying. Oh, no, I live it. I'm true. It's not going to look. My managers want to choke me because I'm like, I don't this, this is This is now. This is the fucking window. I'm doing shit. This is when I'm awake, and I'm coherent, and this is how we're doing it, and they're making it happen. It's good. And well, most of the stuff I do the night too, like this is usually I'm doing European press. So it's like morning for them. So you and I'm sorry about that one round late and we, we had to reschedule. Don't worry about it. It's all good. You also told me when you and I sat down that you were doing a lot of work on the house and that you were working on your home studio. I have since built my own home studio. So I totally get having your own place to work. That's nice. It really is. And it looks nice as you your house. My studio is not at the house. I decided I had a studio at the house once and I could never get no work done. I have to go away from the house because these the kids always something, something's happening. They need dad. So see, um, that, like the phone all of a sudden is like freaking out. Oh shit. That's me. Is that your alarm to remind you that you have to call me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I kicked the phone. I forgot I had it down there. Um, but anyways, I couldn't get shit done at home. So I have a studio here in town that we, that we, it's old. It's an amazing old studio. It was Buck Owens studio. So a lot of uh, historical uh, recordings were done there and it's been our home for the last 10 years. That's where the, you know, Corn HQ. So and, that's uh, where you recorded Requiem. Yeah. Yeah. We got that. I've always, I had a, a recording studio forever. You know, I love this shit. That's my passion is production and recording. And so, yeah, we got our own place. So we do all our stuff there. 
When I told people that I was going to be talking to you, the, the number one question they said, please ask how his health is. So how are you feeling? I'm good. I mean, yeah, we went on that tour and I, 10 days in, I caught COVID and that was one of the scariest moments of my life because I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, me and my girl both got it. And uh, that was how she got it first. And I, we both had probably got infected at the same time. Um, but I had to leave her at a hotel by herself and I had to keep going on tour and I was just heartbroken. And then I kept testing negative and three days later I popped positive. So I jumped on my bus and went and grabbed her and went to, I think I uh, stayed the night with her that night and then went to Nashville and I wrote out the infection in Nashville and uh, had doctors come see me and everything else. And I was really lucky. It never went into my lungs. It just really took out my appetite. It fucked with my head. I had horrible anxiety and I had horrible, horrible, horrible weakness. I could barely walk. It was just like, it was so hard just to, to function. But um, I got through it after 10 days. I tested negative. I got one day off the 11th day. On the 12th day, I was playing a show. So, <laughs> and I did it all sitting down. But I had, I mean, I had to do that. I wanted to finish it. I wanted to like, show people you can you can overcome things. And I didn't want to be that guy that ruined the fun. And just like everybody was looking forward to this because we were one of the first bands out. So once everything opened up, I didn't want to be the guy that ruined it. They were looking so forward. To it. Like when we came out and played, you should see those people's faces. They were just like, ah, finally. And you waited so a long I, time for live music. Yeah. So I wanted to just fuck it. If I couldn't, I could sing. I just couldn't walk around and go off. So I just asked everybody, just please deal. I'm going to be sitting in this chair, but I'm going to do the best I can. And the shows went great. And that was overwhelming. Just the, you know, the vibes that came off people and everybody wishing me well. And I don't know, it's, it was a crazy experience, but I got through it. I'm healthy. It took me three months and now I'm okay. Um, so yeah, there's that. Dave Grohl kind of ruined it for everybody because he broke his leg on stage and built a throne. You should have borrowed his throne for those shows. You know what? I had my throne before his. <laughs> I remember the, the alone I played tour, that tour I did, I sat and I did the whole show in, the, in one of those thrones. And that I have at my studio, I have the, the alone I play throne. And now I have the COVID throne. <laughs> <laughs> they book each other now. When you and I really started to get in, to know each other, you were on the Rock is Dead tour in, what, 99 with Zombie or something like that? Yeah, yeah it was 99. Um, why are we talking? I thought Rock was dead. <laughs> <laughs> At that time period, that was that was the phrase going around. Rock is dead. Rock's done. Rock's done. And it's always been that way. It seems like Rock's been dead for fucking since, I don't know. How long has that been? They've been saying that since the 70s. Something know, like that. Something like that. So... You know, rock's never going to die. There's always going to be rock fans. It just, you know, it goes through waves. Right now, you know, more pop music and hip hop have taken over. And then there's this new style of, of, of rap where it's like, it's kind of like from what rap or hip hop was, it's like the new, how we have new metal. That's like this new <laughs> hip hop stuff with all the new artists that were inspired heavily by us. And other bands like that new metal stuff at the time they were watching on MTV with the TRL days and all that stuff. So it's come kind of full circle. And I, I kind of respect it, kind of like it, because at first I, I didn't understand it. I'm like, what in the f what is going on here? But the more that I, I listen, I got around people that were making it and I and I kind of see the 
they're kind of just like really punk rock and don't give a shit really and it's amazing i love it that's like it's rock and roll it's, it's like it has the essence of rock and roll if you if you don't like it fine but the attitude and, and and what they're doing is is very very rock and roll um so you know i don't think that the spirit of rock and roll is ever going to die because it's just it's in the heart of all of us really well you say that term new metal which for a long time people kind of turned their nose up at it but but right. Bands like Korn have been around so long that there's this whole new generation that is coming to you guys because the bands they love were inspired by you. That's what you're talking about. These generations yeah. of Korn fans now. Right. There is. And they, 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 I guess our band showed them that you can do things and, and, and mold different genres together and do something different. And what they're doing, they've just taken more to the more extreme. You know, now it's in these big bass heavy songs where they're just huge 808s and um, they're screaming over. It's intense. There's a lot of emotion. And I like it. I mean, it's really cool. It's just got this cool vibe to it. Um, and it feels really good to be part of something like that. That The stuff that I did helped, you know, someone else create some new kind of music. And what can I say? It's just pretty fucking cool. I've been saying on the air that 2022 and probably 2023 are going to be massive years for music releases because you guys were cooped up for so long. How could you not be creative? Did, did some of that claustrophobia leak into Requiem? I think, um, you know, the reason when we did it, we got together was to forget about all that shit. Honestly, we wanted to get in and get in the studio and write and create and do what made us happy. And going in there, that studio, you forget about the outside world. You really do. It takes you out of it. So it was more of when we were writing the record, for me at least, I was in there doing what I love and I really forgot about their, their pandemic and all the fucking riots and all the crazy shit that was going on. It really was more of a healing thing for me um, just to, to just bring back and give me some life and make me do something. At least we can make a record. And that was one of my favorite parts of, of what I do is, is creating and making music. Um, they took touring away from me, but at least we got this. So... Um, that's what like really made me happy doing it. And your timeline is different because you get to breathe in the studio. Did you find yourself be uh, being able to be a little more creative because you you weren't under this gun to get things done by a certain date? Yeah, it was really nice to. The way we did it is we'd go in, we'd book ten days, and then we'd go home the rest of the month. Everybody go home, and then we come back next month for ten days, and then we 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 leave again for the rest of the month. It just gave us time to digest what we, we had written, listen to it, and then come back and, and adjust what the band wanted to do. And uh, because there was no timeline or there was no impending tours, which they always do to me, the band has all the time in the world and then it comes down to vocals. And yeah, JD, you got to hurry up. You got a tour next month. That shit drives me crazy. <laughs> None of that. We didn't know it was going to go on. So I had all the time in the world to do what I wanted to do. And they had all the time that they needed. And it just it just worked really good this time. It sounds like you, as a band, are trying to have a better work-life balance, which I think all of us have kind of discovered the importance of doing that. Yeah, you need time for yourself. You don't need to be doing it all the time. And for so many years, we were like, we were American in Europe's house band. <laughs> we were. I mean, I don't know if it's toured as much as us. And we were just out constantly for years and years and years. I never got to sit home. I never got to really enjoy anything. Um, and... I'm kind of liking this. What did you do? 
at home with the kids with all that downtime that maybe is a new hobby or something that you never had the time to even try it and and then you did gardening you too there's a lot of people that have been saying that <laughs> that was what was going on i mean me and my girl we went to a, a nursery and we all masked up and shit <laughs> we thought we needed covid but we're fuck, we gotta do something and we got a bunch of like cool flowers and stuff and we had these potting plants and we made a garden with all these vegetables and we just we, we just dressed up the house with all kinds of plants and stuff it was i don't know it was kind of cool and i'd never done anything like that it was, it was fun it was kind of relaxing it uh it it's a pain in the ass for people wearing masks all the time but i gotta think for a guy as recognizable as you it's it's got to be kind of fun for you to be able to be incognito out in public sometimes, right? It was, but you know what? Still, people fucking see me through the mask. <laughs> you can't. What are you gonna do? But I love where I live, my hometown. People are really cool. It's not. It's not bad for like when I was living in LA or anything else. Where else I go? It's like people are really cool to me here, and they're just say, "Hey, what's up, JD?" Or there's no like, I don't get bothered. It's all good. So. With the like record that. coming out and obviously all of the interviews and press that you're doing, people are going to want to know an update on Monkey. So I have to ask. So so what what do you say about your brother and your band member and what's happening with that? With Monk or Fieldy? Oh, with Fieldy. I'm sorry, not Monkey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean. The last time you and I talked, Monkey had just had a baby. And that's what's yeah. in my head. That's what's in your head because he had to go do that for the baby. Remember yes. Daisy. Yes. Uh, for Fieldy, he he's just kind of go take care of himself. So he's he's uh, taking the time he needs, and he has all the time he needs. We just wish him well and hope that he can figure out what he needs to figure out and come back and be happy. But you know, doing that takes time, and that's what he's got. So we're doing what we do, and everything. There's no bad blood. There's no weird thing. We just wish him the best. I want him to be healthy. When you sit down and say, "Okay, it's time to write a corn record." How does it start? What's what's day one like? Do you have a book full of lyrics that you've been scratching uh, down? How does it work for you? No, first day is to come in. Everybody catches up. We're giggling, laughing and stuff. And then it's time for work. Um, we get in there in, into the studio and it starts with a riff. And then we just build from there. It's always uh, starts with a riff for you? Yeah. Yeah, like vocals the last thing you're done. I have to have everything. We'll get this. We'll come up with a song. We'll work all day on the song, get arrangement done, and then record a demo. And then I'll do a melody line or something over it. And then if it's if we like the melody lines and stuff and decide that that's going to be a keeper, then I have the band record it. But I don't get into writing or performing the thing until after the whole entire thing is recorded. So I'm right at the very end. And then once the band's done recording all the songs, we picked all the songs, band's recorded everything, then I start coming in in, uh, in the evening I'll walk in, I'll grab my pad and I'll sit there and I'll sit down. It takes me 30, 40 minutes. I'll write the lyrics and then I start and then I'll do a song a day. Usually song, sometimes a song a day, but with all the elaborate background and stuff I'm doing now, it takes me two days to do a song. You can write lyrics that quickly once you hear the finished music from the band? Yeah, that's what it usually takes. It's like a half hour, 20 minutes sometimes. Is there a go a back and forth between the band when it comes to being able to give you feedback on the lyrics or do you just, that's just your lane. That's my lane. Um, that's my lane. Huh? <laughs> that's my lane. And that's how it's where, I mean, if someone telling me how to do right shit, it, it's like, none of us tell each other how to write things. That's another thing. That's why we get, it's just like, 
this is your part. This is that part. I make suggestions. Um, they make suggestions. If it's, if it's melodies and stuff like that, head will always have suggestions to me. And if it's better, yeah, if it's not, then we'll just try it. We always try everything, but there's no, like, we don't have any egos. I mean, we all got egos, but there's no, like, there's no, like, it doesn't insult me to say, I don't like that. I think you can do better. And they're like, well, really? Okay. Um, we'll take this. And that usually is better. So that's how we work. It's a fascinating process for me because you have to go to such an emotional place to be able to write the songs you write. And right. so you must have to trust your band members so much to give them the ability to, to critique what you've poured into a song. Yeah. Yeah. But what it doesn't, to, to, it doesn't get to that point when they're going to critique me or if they hear something like a melody or something that's different for one, they really barely ever do it. If it's something, a head will come up or a monk will say something It's before I've even written lyrics. Say so they don't ever get involved in like, tell me what to say or anything like that. And I wouldn't, do that to them either. It's just uh, common, like respect and courtesy, but you know, it's just how we work. I mean, I don't know how the thing works. It's from some other place and we all came together at the right time and it just all clicks. I started asking people this question and I'm fascinated to hear your answer as a songwriter. Can you give me an example or two of songwriting that you consider perfect? from any artist of any genre, but break it down from a songwriter's perspective of a song that you go, God damn it. I wish I wrote that song. Um, what that comes off the top of my head would be hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Ooh. Perfect song. What makes it perfect for you? The melody. What he's singing about and the simplicity, the, 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 the genius of the, of the melody that is so simple. Dun, 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 dun. Um, you can't fuck with that. It's just, it, it's so good that Johnny Cash fucking covered it <laughs> right there. <laughs> that is a perfect song. Um, what are the ones? Um, trying to think. Perfect, perfect songs. You know, I, I get these songs that are just stuck in my head. It just stumped me. I'd say hurt. That's, that's a perfect example of that. Um, for me, it's about getting in your head and, and making a melody that that stays with you and it won't get out of your head. And usually those melodies aren't very elaborate. It's real simple. For me, it's in songwriting simplicity because the average listener is not you know, going to be drawn into how many are paging <laughs> and doing all this other stuff which I do respect and it's very, very difficult, but as in a songwriting and making a song that you walk away and go, God damn, that's an amazing song. It touches you emotionally. The best songwriting is the songwriting done. It's the simplest. When you get ready to release a new record and you go out on a tour on that record, you got to redesign the stage. You got to redesign the production. You got to rewrite a song list to get all the new stuff in there. What can we expect on this tour? Because you're going to be in New England March 16th in Providence and March 19th in Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, I like that. I love New Hampshire. Um, um, what are you going to expect? You know, it's it's just a balance. We want to do a cool show where it's 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 enjoyable to watch. But for me personally, um, Head likes to have a lot of gags and his old things and that within the band and workings and stuff. For me, Corn the music speaks for itself. All you need to do when you come to a corn show is to see corn. So you got to do a balance within the music and not doing too grandiose and going over the top to take away from that. Now there's bands that 
the music's not all that great and they need all the flash and all that stuff to make it a, an interesting, great show. And then when you see shows like that, it's awesome too. So us, we have to like balance it out. So, uh, the set list that sucks that's always a bitch how are you gonna do that 14 fucking records and how are you gonna play everything in an hour and a half so that's always hard um but the production and all that stuff it's just it usually works itself out we've been doing it for so long for me now i just show up and and do my thing <laughs> and there's people to make this look good so i know it's not gonna suck if you had to could you name all 14 records in order can you believe you've got 14 records? No, it's crazy. Yeah, I could. <laughs> it's nuts. And we're working on the 15. So already? Yeah. We're always working. Well, I always know you're working. always working, but now you got to get ready to go on the road. And yeah. I know how physically taxing those performances are for you. And there's a warm up and a warm down period. With all this full contact gardening you've been doing around the house. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready to go out on the road or what do you have to do to get ready? Um, you know, it's just, I work out every day. I just take care of my body, just eat right, work out. I have a body tech, my boy, Ryan. I love the death. A hold on. A body tech. Is this like a Jonathan uh, Davis body roadie? What does he do? Yeah. Ryan takes, he's, he takes care of me. He's my trainer. I call him my body tech. Cause I go to my guitar place. I go, you know what guys, you can always buy another fucking guitar. Oh, this guitar is wore out. I'm just gonna throw this one and get a new one. You can't throw me away. I gotta in my body. I have to be. I have to be healthy. And I have to be fit, or this shit's gonna go away. Or I'm gonna be sounding like I can't sing or I can't do nothing. So um, Ryan trains me. He's just like we work. We work out, and then like for me to get ready for a show, it's two hours before the show. I start warming up. I start stretching. I do exercise, all this stuff to get me ready and warmed up to go play. And then so I go and I do that. I play a show, and then after I got another hour. 20 minutes of warming down, another 40 minutes of stretching and, and massage. And then I get in the shower and then I eat and then I go to my bus. So it's a, it's, it's a whole process, but I'm still here. I'm 51 years old. And I still kill it. <laughs> I get these images of Ryan in all black standing on the side of the stage, getting ready to give you a shoulder no, rub at a moment's notice. No, Ryan's amazing. He's younger than Nathan, my son. He's kind of like my, one of my, I've like adopted him. He's a great kid. He's a great, great kid. And he, he helps me. He helps me um, keep my body good so I can perform and do it the way I want to do it. The moment when I can't play the way I want to play, I'm going to be very depressed. When the body won't let me do it, that's going to suck. But right now I'm still at that point and, and I've worked really hard in the gym and everything else to, to be able to do what I want to do. Before, keep my body healthy. Before I let you go, you do it all for the fans. You spent a lot of time separated away from them and fought really hard to be able to do those shows on the last tour. What do you have to say to the Corn fans that have been there for 25 years and 14 albums and all these tours? I mean, there's nothing more I can say that I love each and every one of them. And it's been an amazing journey. And, I, and I'm looking forward to still doing this journey until I can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? But just a lot of gratitude and, and, you know, we've kind of built up this, this big giant group of people that like to get together. And the corn show is this event where we all come together and we just forget about everything and just have a good time. And we all have this common thing that, you know, bad things happen in our life, but we're getting over it and we figure it out. And this is how we do it. And we have a good time at a corn show and we leave and we're recharged and uh, it feels good, you know, 
when we go out on stage, I see all those people and play rock show and everybody just has a great time. That means the world to me. It's good to see you healthy and extremely happy. And I don't know if that Cheshire cat grin is that you're laughing at my feety pajamas or not, but I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> Jonathan, I will see you in March. Or am I going to be able to see you or are you guys going in lockdown? How's it work? I believe we're still in lockdown. We're okay. going to keep keep it all, but uh, hopefully uh, we can see. I don't know. Um, if not, maybe next time around. Absolutely. Well, stay healthy. I can't wait to see the show. And congratulations on Requiem. Thank you so much, Carrie. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care, babe. Bye. Bye. There he is, the one and only Jonathan Davis from Corn. The new album Requiem is out on Friday, February 4th. The live stream on the official Corn YouTube is on Thursday night, February 3rd. And don't forget to catch them out on the road with Chevelle and Code Orange. Tickets for the entire tour are available now. See them at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island, March 16th, and at the SNHU Arena in Manchester on March 19th. The links for all of that are in the show notes of this podcast. That's also where you'll find the corresponding playlist for this episode that features all of the music that we talked about, including a lot of the new stuff from Requiem. You'll also find all of my links there as well. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe and follow the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, and every weekday, you get the sit rep. The Situation Report is all your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. Thanks once again to our sponsor, Digital Federal Credit Union. You can find them online at dcu.org. And you can join me every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern, live on my Facebook page for Cocktails in the War Room. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of an LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity, serving up a powerful yet gentle clean in just 29 minutes. Making this the sound of savings on the best appliance brands. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off the LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity and reduced wash time. Pricing valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. Gas dryer extra, U.S. only. See store or online for details.